Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. Joining me once again, Senior Editor Jude Seymour and Chief Inspector, he'll get a car for you, Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, what's up? Hey, I'm very excited to start the Villains Part 3 podcast with uh, the Nerd Football Team. Yes! Yes! We've we've seen the enemy and it is us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we touched on that uh, in in one of the Villains. I think in Villains 2. Yeah, we, but now uh, we discussed I mean, we, the. But we, now Brian, got, Ke- I guess that means Brian Kelly's a listener, then, right? We are, yeah. we are, we are just adding to the argument of the uh, of the villainy. I think I, I, I thought I brought it up too when we had Nanny on. I might be wrong. It, that might be when we it, talked about Notre Dame embracing the villain role. Yes. Yeah, you definitely have, talked about it. Embracing it. Uh, I loved my question for Brian Kelly uh, post game that they didn't get to. Along with like many other reporters, I'm sure about about that. But uh, but it, within that question, I you know asked him uh, you know about saying the you know I'm not going to be the nice guy anymore. And I think at the end I said something like, "What what makes you think that you were before? Or, <laughs> who do you think you are, sir?" I can't exactly remember. I, I'd have to re- look back to see how I worded that exactly. But but. Uh, I mean, does he really? Did, is that the rep that he thinks he has? Is that, is that <laughs> those lines that you're the nice guy? Because that uh, that doesn't seem to be the rep nationally. <laughs> his his Twitter I, handler must not tell him the things that that are, that are on, the, on that at website. <laughs> his mentions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we will get. Uh, we will definitely dive very deeply into all that uh, here very shortly. Uh, but first, uh, I got to knock something out of the way. We got we got a review in the uh, in the mailbox, y'all. Uh, awesome. Just reminder every just reminder everybody out there, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating. Uh, you know, three four stars are okay, but you know what are we trying to recruit here, Brendan? Uh, those Julian love five stars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the elite prospect five star. Get that in there, but uh, but you know, give us your honest opinion, uh, and then leave a review. Uh, and anything that you write on that review, uh, pretty much within common decency, I guess, uh, I will read on the next OFT podcast. Y'all know the drill. Y'all know how it goes. Uh, and this week we, we got just one. We had a, we had a huge amount on the last one, huge amount. So, uh, this is, this is going to feel a little light tonight, but, uh, but that's all right. So we got one from Jazzy J one, two, three, which I got to tell you that name feels good. Great. Just thinking about uh, how much Run DMC and Beastie Boys and uh, and shit I've been listening to over the last couple of days. So good name. Uh, this is look forward to every po- new pod. I don't have much to say. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy listening to you guys about the Irish here in Kansas City. Go Irish. All right. Thanks, Jazzy J. There is a there's a small uh, but there's solid group of Kansas Cityans uh, who are Notre Dame fans on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Emily and, uh, and her boyfriend are down there. Mm-hmm. Josh, Josh, uh, yeah. The, the woodworker and, uh, yeah. great. Hey, uh, non-sponsor promotion here. God, what's his Twitter handle? Uh, he, he sells Josh and Casey. Is it ND Josh and Casey or something? Uh, geez, I'm, uh, I'm I sorry. I don't know. I, 
can't think of his Twitter handle, but he makes some dope ass uh, wood stuff, Notre Dame stuff. So, uh, you know, find the Josh that's a Notre Dame fan in Kansas City on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know. Check him out, man. He's got some cool stuff. How about yeah, uh, right, pa- Packy and uh, Tracy? Are they are they yeah, yeah, Kansas City adjacent, right? Missouri? I, I know they're Chiefs fans, at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think they're I've, I've, pl- I've placed them geographically there. I don't know if they actually are. So I'm not sure if you guys knew, but Kansas City, or not Kansas City specifically, but Missouri accounts for uh, 2% of all our podcast downloads. So there's a pretty sizable. Well, uh, I just figured it was Lisa Kelly and her, her everybody, every employee at the uh, the brand. Oh, just zoo, grabbing, right? grabbing the phones and down, which right. I recommend doing. Just grab yeah. those well, I, you know, I was checking out the, uh, you know, where everyone was downloading the pod the other day. And I was disappointed in a few countries. I gotta say, uh, the, the the entire continent of Africa has not downloaded our pod, did not download a podcast over the last thirty days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that to change. The entire continent. I thought, we I thought we were big in Bali. That's weird. Uh. Yeah, the last thirty days, man. They they must not have been uh, been loving this. I don't know. Mm. I mean, we're decent. We're decent in England, uh, Australia. Uh, not too bad. <clears throat> but no love Somebody's Irish working place, in huh? China. Somebody's working in China right now and, and listening to us. So. <laughs> I just think it's funny, you know. You know, it's some like young, you know, business business guy that uh, that ha- that has to travel to some, you know, some random country. Uh, not that China's a random country, but they they're lonely. They got nothing else to do, so they got they got their podcast. So good for them. I don't know. That there's a lot of people to talk to uh, about Notre Dame football in China. But maybe hopefully they found somebody besides us. And if not, then I'm, we're glad to be that outlet for them. You know, we, we share hot. our thoughts with them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. So we are we are here tonight to discuss Notre Dame's 52 nothing thrashing, throttling, dismantling uh, of South Florida. And uh, we were just saying before we. Uh, we hit record on the podcast that this is uh, this feels to me like one of the most interesting blowout wins that we've had in, in a long time. Like there, there's a lot here. There's there's a lot to pull out of this uh, this particular game that uh, that we can discuss. Um, hopefully we don't ramble on and on. But I mean, shit, fellas. I mean, we had a fullback carry for God's sakes. Uh, I mean, we are we are. I, we're, Closer and closer. We're T formation adjacent. T formation. And it could be a 23, 24, 25 backfield. And then I could just, I could retire. I will fucking retire. <laughs> I would like to, to note that it was not a fullback. Um, it was not a fullback. It was a full end carry. I believe, I believe that is what we are. We are tabbing Tommy Trumbull as correct. You know, I thought about that during the game. And I was gonna. And I had a couple of tweets that I had deleted about something on the, along those lines. Uh, and I'm just too ecstatic that there's a, an actual fullback that I just, I can't let it go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, full end is. I mean, I guess we should just call him an H back, right? <laughs> that's technically what. That's more or less what he is. Josh, question for you: Did did Tremble play running back in high school? Was that like one of his positions? If you know, no, I don't believe that he did. 
he played yeah. defensive line. Uh, he was on the he was a D end. Uh, they when they were interviewing him in the post game. Uh, the youngest, the youngest Collinsworth. So, yeah. So I don't think he did, but I mean, I'd have to look back, right? I'd have to look into it more and more. Because most uh, of these but, guys play two ways, right? And so they've got a, like a a defensive oh, I mean, position most, that most of, your stu- most of your studs coming out of high school, which I mean, just about anybody that even anybody that's going to Notre Dame, they played you know two posi- they played offensive defense in in high school. Right. Uh, so I mean, they didn't go to those. Super small schools like Jack, Mr. Jack Kaiser, uh, where you absolutely had to to field a team, uh, seemed like. But, but uh, you know, that's, I mean, if you're a baller in high school, unless you're the quarterback, you're playing defense, and a lot of quarterbacks are playing safety. Uh, you know, depending upon the, you know, what you got on your team, you know, if you're a quarterback, quarterback, it's almost like automatic you're playing safety. So, I, I, so does that mean you think I, that Kyle Hamilton could potentially start at, at quarterback for Notre Dame? Is that what you're saying? That since he was a safety, he probably has some acumen in, in throwing the, the rock? Well, there's that's the wrong inverse. Safety to quarterback. No, quarterback to safety, yes. I mean, just ask, uh, ask Scott Frost. Ask, uh, <laughs> ask so you're saying that, that Kyle could, quarterbacks. <laughs> you're saying Kyle couldn't play quarterback then? Is, is that what you're that's what I am saying. Uh, okay, that's but, bait. But, but like, but like Jeff Burris, he can play running back out of the T formation. Get it going, Lance. I mean, wow. It's a thing. All right, how about things that are actually happening on the field as opposed to uh, hypothetical uh, orgasms that you're having over formations that not, have not yet been shown? I mean, I don't know. I mean, sure, we could get to it. Um, so <laughs> let's start off. Let's start off with uh, what was. Probably the most uh, debated. Uh, it just seems weird to me, but probably the most debated thing about the whole entire game, and that was the performance for Ian Book. Uh, he was 12 and 19 for 143 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, throwing the ball. He did, however, have three rushing touchdowns, uh, like I mean, four carries, nine yards, on, on nine rushing touchdowns. yards. Yeah, two of those two of those touchdowns were just you know one yard dives. Um, there's, a, I mean. There is a strong amount of hate out there for Ian Book, and and I understand the frustration uh, from Notre Dame fans, uh, but at the same time, I I just don't know if this is this ain't the game. This ain't it, man. I got the numbers. <laughs> so I, 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 I have I the numbers so. to support why it's not the game, I, and well, it has to do with the first three drives. Let's have so this hit. game. Well, this game was over. Unlike the Duke game last week, this game was over after three drives. It was, it was 21 to nothing. In the first three drives, he opened up going three for four for 36. Second drive, two for two for 25. Third drive, two for three, 27 yards. In the first three drives, just in the first quarter, he went seven for nine for 88 yards. And at that point, the route was on. And he, the rest of the way, he went five for 10 for 45 yards. Yeah, and so, that was I, just, uh, so I, I, I think I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I think adding in a Brendan's point, I think if I'm understanding Brendan correctly, like, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the, the play by play of this game and it's like Kyron Williams rushed for 11 yards, Sebo Flanemister rushed for 10 yards, Chris Tyree rushed for five yards, you know, Kyron Williams rushed for seven yards. Like, what did you think was going wrong that required Ian book to pass it? 
I mean, I understand right. like I, ho- I understand the whole vibe of like, let's see if he can throw it downfield. Let's let's get him to air it out. I'd like to see a couple more, you know. And and but here's it's the, funny. Here's the because thing. I I tweeted during the I tweeted during the um, halftime. I said Kelly's going to give um, Ian Book one series in the third quarter, and then it's going to be Drew, Drew Pine time. And people were like, no, no, we got to see him air it out. I'm like, uh, look at the scores, friends. It's thirty-five nothing. Like we're not airing yeah. it out now. If it was airing it out, it would be during Brennan's first three drives there. Here's the thing. First of all, your your three leading rushers for Notre Dame, Kyrie Williams, Chris Tyree, and uh, and Sebo Flemister, they were averaging 9.8. Flemister was 9.8. Uh, Tyree was 8.1, and Kyron was 6.2 yards per carry. Keep that in mind. Those are those are big uh, average numbers. Okay. But here's another number. It's even bigger. Notre Dame's average field possession yep, was, was on their own 44 fucking yard line. How do you air it out when after two plays of running the ball, you're already 30 yards away from the fucking end zone? That's not airing it out. They just, they never had a, they only hit Notre Dame only had 429 yards of offense. Now 429 is a, is a okay number, but, but on a 52, nothing game, it's nothing. You can even take out the touchdown that uh, Jordan Botello got, didn't get. And, you know, 46 point or 45 points, 429 yards is still not a whole lot. They're at their, they started their field possession was, or uh, it was just, it was insane. They had nowhere to go. Yeah, 25 so, yard drive. Yeah. So that was a touchdown book, book through it. Here's something that, and people talk about him missing receivers and all that. So let me just run down very quickly um, some some target numbers. All right. Tommy Tremble targeted three times, three receptions. Braden Lindsay targeted three times, three receptions. Kyron Williams targeted two times, two receptions. I mean, Javon McKinley was the exception who got targeted more than any other player. He got targeted four times and he yes. only caught one. And one of those passes, like McKinley caught it falling out of the end zone on a, on a play, which, you know, maybe, maybe some, maybe other players, maybe a Kevin Austin or um, a Ben Skoranek is able to have the body control to pull that one in. It was a pretty good throw, I guess, but yeah. To the I big mean, targets, it, Lindsay and Trumbull, he, he, he hit his man. There wasn't a whole lot there. And for the second week in a row, I, I still think we need to consider Okay, so this is Braden Lindsay's first game back. This this is your game breaker at wide receiver. People are wondering why you're not. He's just getting himself around. I mean, from the sounds of it, he he was you know that leg. He was fairly I mean banged up if you want to call a hammy banged up. But I mean, this is what you got. You still have Kevin Austin on the bench. I mean, your playmakers are just not weren't weren't there for him. You're just getting him around with Braden Lindsay. So. I, I'm not exactly sure what you wanted. You saw Chase Claypool take get an 84-yard bomb today for Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. Sure did. He's missing out on a little bit of these guys that that <laughs> that aren't there anymore. Okay, uh, so g- getting your feel, getting these guys going. It wasn't like Braden Lindsey was a was a, any kind of workhorse for Notre Dame last year. I mean, towards the end of the season, we were able to use him more, and a lot of his plays weren't receiving; they were end arounds. We were using his speed and that's all fine and dandy. But when you start 
pinning all this shit on book. I mean, and Jude, I mean, so, I mean, Phil Jerkovic had a pretty nice game for BC against Duke, you know, on Saturday. So it was just like gasoline to the fire for those that want to bash book. You know what I mean? Like, like for no reason, I mean, there's absolutely no reason to bash Ian. I mean, if this was a regular game, like if somehow like our defense just crashed and we had to play a regular game, book would have thrown more than 19 times. Uh, and you know, those numbers go up dramatically. Maybe there's a touchdown or two, a lot more yardage. Uh, maybe you're taking a couple more deep shots. It, so much of everything just dictates off of who we are playing and the field position. And the fact that, uh, the backup went somewhere and had a, had a decent day just adds to it. Yeah. I, the game didn't call for him to pass more than 19 times. So if asking him to pass 30 times, first of all, was never going to happen because he was, he was out by middle of the third quarter anyways. Um, and, and second of and all, I like, only threw twice when he came in. So you made 21 pass attempts for the whole you game. You know, I, I, I look, would have been fun to see him loft one up to Lindsay like they did in the Navy game last year. Sure. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not, I'm not sounding any alarm you, bells. He, he actually threw a deep bomb before. I mean, you would, you would fucking think that half these fans never saw you book throw more than 10 yards. You mean he's done yeah. it? He's, he's actually did it before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he okay. actually, I mean, okay. You know, the, 84 yard touchdown by Chase Claypool today. It was between 38 and 40 air yards from Ben Roethlisberger. So Claypool did the other 40, 44 basically. Um, and, and I'm not taking anything away from, from Ben Roethlisberger. He definitely has a stronger arm than Ian book. I just, what I'm saying is when you see like, Oh, well we never threw an 84 yard touchdown to Chase Claypool. In fact, I think his career long for Notre Dame was something like 47. Um, you know, obviously clearly he was underutilized or clearly book is blah, 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 or this, that, or the other thing. It's like, look, these, these catch and run stats obviously can, can inflate any, any number, make it look crazy. So look at BG um, New Mexico last year. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. The, the, I mean, the stunt pass in the, in the, you know, in front of him or whatever. So I look, I, I'm not, I, I'm this, this game was not a referendum on Ian book. This game was, this game did not tell you anything to me did not tell you anything uh, about Ian book about whether or not he is going to be able to help us compete against Clemson. It did not tell us anything about, he did exactly what we asked him to and, and probably nothing more and nothing less. Uh, it was a, it was look, a clean game and I, I'm not worried. I'm not, this I was going to make a TikTok. I was going to make a TikTok today. And actually I did, but it's, uh, I'd never made one like this, so I, I fumbled it a couple times and then just gave up because I really didn't want to devote more than a minute to it. <clears throat> but it's the it's the beam with the harp going, and it's the people saying, you know, you have to stop. It's the half you have to stop me. And it was real simple. It's like you have to stop comparing Ian Book to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a f- number one overall NFL draft pick. Ian Book is not going to be. And I give like a like a funny like eyeball hand thing. It's it's an Italian thing, you know. Actually, like fucking think about it. People have to stop every game. And you bringing up Clemson, and I'm not I'm not I'm not you know putting it on you, Jude. But 
every game the comparison of Book to fucking Lawrence and now Dracovic in the fucking mix. But Book and Lawrence and Notre Dame and Clemson, it's got to stop. It's one uh, game at a time. I just, it's, I did it, look. It's I don't, one player. Did, it's one player I, that is vastly just, different than the other. Disagree. You, ha- you have. I disagree. Like, like, where was your outrage in 2017 after they lost to Georgia and everybody was talking about USC, even though that game was four weeks away? Like, that's exactly what we do. We look ahead to games that are that are no, hallmark not, games. No, it's not looking ahead. It's not looking ahead. It is a game that's seven weeks away, and everything is based on that right now. Like, you don't even yeah. people. It's a one. It's a. It's a I'm one not game saying season. in particular. Okay. It's not a one game season, it's, but it's not. You have to play. It's fucking absolute. Games. It absolutely. You're gonna have to play him again. You're gonna have to play him again, Jude. Probably. Oh, I, I'm if, pretty if, sure if it's a one game on, season. Hold on a second. Hold I'm on. Pretty a sure they have to go on the road this week to go play Wake Forest. It is not a one game fucking season. That's the dumbest shit that people can say. You have to play the fucking game in front of you. And to, and after the game is over with, okay. you cannot dismiss and the when team. We, just, we, when we ho hum through all these us, these other games, and, and then we get the, to Clemson, and we haven't, and they haven't played anybody of consequence, and we haven't played anybody of consequence, then that's going to be the one game season. Uh, look, I, then that's the game. But to, to sit there and continually look fucking ahead, do not, you know, to completely dismiss what you've done in the last two weeks, completely dismiss the game in front of you. Is fucking bonkers. First of all, I, I of have no season. idea. I have no idea why you're getting so upset about this. Second of all, um, this is everybody. Lot. Everybody is doing this, and it's totally normal. This is the this just, is the one game on Notre Dame's schedule that's doing, of any consequence. I think it's wrong. Of course, somebody pissed off about it because it's fucking annoying. Here's we the still thing have, for me. Well, Josh, I, I guess you're just really going to have to get used to it because literally every podcast I listened to today talked about the Clemson I, game. Exactly. It's and it's going to drive me nuts. It's going to be illustrated or Shamrock or whatever. Everybody right, talked all, about Clemson. They are everybody compare Clemson. Everybody watched the game against the Citadel. Like you we're all that, doing the same exact thing. In, they have all turned into ESPN and focusing on the one yep. fucking thing instead of taking college football for what it is. And that's week to week, game to game. Have some fucking fun with it. You can have a little given. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Who said he wasn't having fun with it? That's bullshit. Hold up. We were given an absolute gift. We were given a gift of a college football season when months ago it was looking like it might not happen. We were put into the ACC, something that we never thought would happen. And what does everybody do? They just shit all over themselves about a Clemson game in November Instead of talking about, hey, we got a game against North Carolina after that. Uh, there's a game against Pitt, Louisville, Florida State, um, a, a little run of three team opponents uh, coming up before even the Clemson game. There's a lot of other juicy narratives that that you can radiate to. And just simply going to Clemson is the lowest of boring hanging fruit that all of these people seem to radiate towards because that's what we've been trained to do. By ESPN putting everything into the playoff and, and talking about college football being a sport that's decided and the referendum is built on what happens in December rather than, you know, the months before. First of all, I take exception to the idea that I'm not enjoying these games or or I'm not in, like I'm not able to look at these games and, and, and take anything away from them or I'm looking too far ahead. Like I'm here tonight to talk about the, the South Florida game that I watched that I enjoyed the hell out of for about two and a half, three hours the other day. So I've got plenty to say about the South Florida yeah. game. 
But don't but excuse me for saying that this is the only game of consequence is the Clemson game. It's circled on the calendar. This is the one game that everybody's looking forward to. And I think it's totally appropriate to say, look, what do we know about after two weeks that can it can instruct us about what we can know for Clemson? And if the answer is we don't know anything, that's fine. We need more information. That's fine. But at the same time, that's the barometer that we're sticking for, because Clemson has been the barometer for better or worse since 2015. And they're the, the program that we now aspire to. And whether we play them or we don't play them, there's always a talk about what what are we doing relative to Clemson? We talk about all the time in the offseason regarding recruiting. And so I don't I didn't see hear anybody's objection. when We talked about Clemson ad nauseum or Ohio State or whatever. Clemson's on our schedule. I'm going to talk about it. That's the that's the and everybody right, else is going to talk about it. But there are we playing them this weekend? Did we play them last weekend? We play them next weekend to, to, to bring them up, Jude, to, to, to bring them up is absolutely fair and on point and to say otherwise exactly. I mean, you, you have mentioned it. It would be hypocritical because you do have your, your big games that you're geared up for. Georgia was one, you know, that happens, but what's happening right now is, is everyone is placing every bit of each game and play and putting that value on the Clemson game. And I think that's fucking ridiculous and absolutely stupid to just constantly like to, to go back and, and start switching this bar around. It's okay to like, not like have to fucking analyze a game eight weeks away based off of limited information. Give it. I mean, even if you had a few more fucking weeks, it is, but it's, it's what, it's what has bothered me about ESPN for fucking years. And that is you just, you take this fantastic, fantastically stupid sport of college football and you boil it down to just the fucking, to, to just the last, the last five fucking teams. And that is all you're, all you're fucking worried about. Meanwhile, on the out are neutrons, electrons floating around doing the fucking work. And <laughs> I mean, come on, there's more to it than, than just the fucking nucleus. All right. There's more to it. Now, I just. Well, but I think I, 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 that's to be honest with you, that's the thing I love about college football versus pro football. Like when I when people are like, oh, I can't get into college. I'm like, yeah, you're a big pro football guy, right? I'm like, yeah, I love watching my team lose eight times and go to the playoffs. That seems like a lot of fun. You know, yeah. like it, it's a low hanging fruit. No, yeah, it, it does. What I'm saying. It absolutely no, it does. does, because this whole season. Um, is banks that. on whether or not you could beat Clemson and then subsequently North Carolina. Those are the two games. Everything else is that, like games you should win. With, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Uh, you're taking all of it out. You're taking every other little piece of it out. It's bad enough that college football isn't fucking even close to being normal this season. Uh, taking out all the fans and all the other extra awesome shit that we all love, but just boiling it down to one fucking game or two games, if you even, is just and, ah, and that's there's nothing to do with the I, I, I can't I can't believe that your takeaway from all of this is that that I can't that I can't enjoy the games or that I can't I can't look forward to the games like I'm looking forward to next week's not, game believe it but or not, I'm going to talk not, about how this affects I don't us, our ability to play same, against Clemson that's a that's I don't a, lump you that's into a the real same thing category. I don't lump you into the same category as the other 98 percent that I'm fucking pissed off at I'm not lumping you in the same category I know your brain works in a different fucking compartmentalized manner. That's fine. So I'm not really speaking to you. I'm speaking to uh, Joe Blow and, and 
Kerry Cruz and, and, and Noah fucking Jacquez, all those fans out there that just, it's at the end of the game, the first thing you fucking say, first thing, something about Clemson, something about Clemson, something about Clemson, something about fucking Clemson. What the fuck? You guys are 52, nothing fucking blowout. Shut the fuck up and enjoy it. Which is not well, how about because you put your shit in file cabinets with nice little tabs on it, and you're able to to go through that in a mild manner. That is, so you are not lumped into that. Well, damn it, Josh. Let's talk about South Florida then. Okay, I would really like to do that. And I want to talk about the. You know what? I'll, I'll grab the reins for this because what I want to talk about is the absolute delight that was whatever Tommy Reese was doing with the running backs on Saturday. I mean, there's the, the storyline of Tommy and his grandma. We'll probably end up talking about that. But did you boys notice what Tommy did with the running backs? Well, I there was a sweet pattern, but then he yes. broke it. Where he was given a full series. There was a time out. A full series to each running back. And yep. then all of a sudden it got, it got broken up. Uh, was it during Sebo's or was it during? It was during Sebo's. There was a time. So yes. the first drive was all Kyron. The second drive was all Tyree. And I'm sitting there. And when, when Sebo comes out of the field, I'm like, Tommy, you mad lad. And then Sebo's running the rock. And then South Florida calls a timeout. And then after the timeout, Jafar comes in. And Jafar right. ends up finishing the drive out. And I was like, damn. And then fourth drive, it was, you know, Kyron Sebo. And then the fifth drive was Tyree Kyron. And then it just, you know, the, the, the horses got put in the stable and we watched Sebo Flemister uh, shit all over me and prove me wrong and make me look like a damn fool in the best possible way. Props to Sebo. I I mean, it was fun. It was fun to watch. There's like, there was really, I mean, nobody was really struggling. Everybody was eating. It was it was fun to watch. The meme the meme died. Yeah, the meme died. Sebo got it was a good bit. It was a good beat. Fourteen yards. Um. So I guess I got I got to ask you a question because it it was similar in the dominance of the 2017 Boston College game, but I think I enjoyed this. It it didn't have the huge long break off runs of the Boston College game. This one was more just like the offensive line methodically beating South Florida down. And I think I kind of enjoyed this one more. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that, that was the one where, um, well, the long, you know, the Bush rush, and the longest rush was 31 yards. Uh, both Sebo and Tyree both, both got a 31 yarder. Um, but the, the dominance up front was so, I mean, the level was just uh, so different up there. That there was there was people today on Facebook telling me that they were so glad Tommy Reese went back to just a straight power blocking scheme, man on man blocking scheme. I'm like, no, no, that's zone blocking. No, 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 that's not it. Like that is their main juice. Their main juice is the outside outside zone read. They do they do some multiple things. They're not stuck on one thing, but that's how dominant they were. I mean it. It looked like they just went man on man, the old drive, you know, old step, half step drive blocking. That's, I mean, that's just your difference in levels. Um, so yeah, it was fun to watch because it was just abuse. I just, uh, I, I heard two different podcasts today talk, oh, wonder aloud whether or not NBC had had an ISO cam on Tommy Tremble because it seemed like every uh, good block that Tommy Tremble laid in that game. We got, we got a nice 
uh, focused replay of Tommy Tremble just like taking a man's soul. Um, Do you think they got a hint? Think somebody dropped a hint to him? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like they, they definitely were prepared to talk about Tommy Tremble this week. It clearly, you know, and um, certainly Tony Dungy's comparison to George Kittle was uh, flattering, I guess, to say the least. To say the least, yeah. Um, I mean, Tony Dungy had a a, a semi going on uh, for Tommy Tremble, and I like that a lot. I still find I am. I still find Tony Dungy fairly dull and boring, but he's not he's better this week. Doug Flutie, but he's not Doug Flutie. And so I'm fine with it. I, I don't think Tony, how do I say this? Not that he doesn't understand the college. I, it, that sounds really stupid of me to say. I just, he's, he was in pro football for so fucking long. I think the whole college game is still has to come around to his senses in a way. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I agree with Brendan. I thought he was better this week. I actually felt sorry for Paul Burmeister because not only it, it was like calling a spring game. And Mike Goolsby said this uh, on, on the Blue and Gold podcast. This was our spring game. This was the spring game that we lacked because if you think about the rotation of the players that played, this was basically yeah. like a spring game, right? And so po- po- poor Paul Burmeister is in there and Alexander Aaronsberger gets a sack and they're like, he's like, and down goes the quarterback. And it's the Notre Dame guy with the sack. And it was just clearly like, he looked down and he's like, shit, how do I say E H R? Oh my God. Yeah, was, you know, like, hey, but here's a hot take. I like, I, I would take Burmeister over to Rico. Yeah. You're that. an idiot. Oh, that's, but that's, that's, that's okay. That's, that's, yeah. that's a bad take. Well, well, you I should feel bad for that take. You should no, take, I, feel bad for that take. I, I am Trico's not a fan so smooth. Rico. Yeah. He's so, he's so good. He's so he's, good. He's, he doesn't move the dial for me. He just doesn't. It's not my style. You are like, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine standing alone on an island on a take so bad. I, there's somebody out there that agrees with you. I've just not the, met that somebody. The problem is, is that I don't give a fuck what island I'm on. <laughs> uh, you know, call me fucking Jack Sparrow. It's the island I'm on. I, I, <laughs> I got a whole thing of rum down in the fucking, you know, some cellar. You're more like Jude a, and I Ted will Kaczynski. be on tired. Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. Jude and I will be on Tortuga, uh, living a life of uh, debauchery while you're on your your island alone with your rum. Uh, except I'll except I'll be back. <laughs> is the is the main takeaway. I'll always find my way back. So, anyways, let's get back so to time. Somebody, hold on, real, real quick. Somebody said in the comment section. I thought this was worth worth mentioning. When Tony Dungy was talking about his playing career, wouldn't we have shit all over Doug Flutie for making this like similar comments? About no. like, his recollections, because well, no one's ever so. seen the videos of Tony Dungy's yeah. career in Minnesota. You, you don't find the Tony Dungy's one one awesome play at Minnesota played over and over again every week for the last twenty fucking years of him broadcasting. It just doesn't happen. So no, we're sick and tired of Doug Flutie and the bullshit. So there is. A I think huge- even if when Doug Flutie doesn't talk about Hale Flutie, like even when he just talks about normal stuff that happened to him, like we're just like, actually, oh, I, enough already. I feel, bad. I feel bad for Flutie. I think he I think he I mean, he, he has to know that that just fucking people are just annoyed the shit with it. But you have TV execs who try to fill up every spit. You know, you know, I mean, how the TV business works, it's it's different. They're going to push it like, oh, we got this. We're going to use it. I don't think Flutie's really all that down with having to fucking talk about it every week. Even a cool moment, you get sick and tired of. I mean, you just do. And I, so, I mean, 
if that if I have any feelings for Flutie at all, that'd be the one thing that I feel sorry for him just a little bit because I think he really doesn't like have to have to fucking deal with that shit all the time. But, I disagree, but, but that's okay. But, but, but the but the but pointing to like, shouldn't we be pissed about? Shit? No, I never saw that shit from Dungey ever. I mean that's that's fresh and new to me. So it's because the tapes don't exist. There is no footage. Go and fi- <laughs> find me footage of Tony Dungey. Tony playing. Dungey playing college ball. You can't. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. The footage doesn't exist. So I mean, so no. The, I admit I've never looked. The point so. doesn't make. The point doesn't hit with me. Well, the last thing I want to say was if if Pat Hayden was on this broadcast, I wanted I would have wanted him to say, uh, what was it? What was his Mister Dependable for, about Tommy well, Tremble? Mister Dependable, or, yeah, yeah, or Jack Kaiser, Kyle McCarthy. Uh, he probably would have he probably would have said about Jack Kaiser because he tended to do about white guys. Rocky Boyman was a favorite for for Pat Hayden, uh, like you know, like the the wants to play two on Sunday or Saturdays, sort of like nonsense that always came out of Pat Hayden's mouth or whatever, but it reminded me of when like Tremble said, Tremble said post game. I just like to hit people. Like that's just a fun thing to say out loud. I just like, I really just like contact. And you're right. That's something that Pat Hayden would, would, if Quentin Nelson had said it, we would have put it on a t-shirt and sold it. You know what I mean? How, How many times would Pat Hayden have called Jack Kaiser, Mr. Football? Like 15 oh, times, right? He went to that Paul Burmeister mentioned that he was third string entering the week, you know, like, which was <laughs> right. about a hundred, which is, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's a cool story. Like, like when, when, when he was like, yeah, I was on Wednesday, I was with the practice squad. We were like, everybody was like, it was like a record scratch moment. You know what I mean? Where it was just like, holy cow. And, and the thing is like, I, I want to get into this with you guys because I, I, this was talked about on a lot of other podcasts. And I think it's really interesting. What does this game mean for Jack Kaiser uh, at at Buck linebacker? Like, what does it, like what does this mean? Like, is this a thing where all of a sudden the the coaching staff sees him in a different light than they've been seeing him up to his career until now? I'll tell you right now, he's playing next week because if uh, Marist and uh, Simon are in COVID protocol for. Um, Contract yeah. tracing, Con- big, contact big, tracing. They're out for 14 days. days. Okay. 14 so days. the thing is, we don't know when, when that started. We know when Lewis, how it started on Saturday, right? That's, that's the deal is why Kaiser got the call on Saturday morning. Is well, I, mean, Fowl- I mean, Simon and Simon and Lewis, both played the last game. So yeah. even if it was Sunday and it was 14 days, they can't practice. Can't practice. Gotcha. It's going can't to be, a be Jack Kaiser so against Wake Forest. So it's going to be Jack okay. Kaiser next week. And he could Wally Pip him because he played. I I don't know. It's South Florida, so um, I, I especially for a linebacker because I think we'll probably talk about players that really stood out in the game, and I'll hold on to that. But, yeah, but he, he didn't leave the, the team about- in tackles, and he had seven solo tackles and a couple of pa- tackles for loss. So I mean, he played about, about as Kaiser. well as he could. He was an early enrollee. And he was a, a must get for Clark Lee when Jack Kaiser was a fucking two star. Okay. And ever since he's been on campus, he's been on the tip of the tongues of defensive coaches. Like we've heard a lot about how much the staff likes Jack Kaiser. We've, we, we've heard it quite a bit. So there's a lot there that they like of him. But he had and like so a torn labrum, out. right? Like, didn't he have like surgery yes. and he missed a lot it was of time? A, it was an injury where he missed spring. 
Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think if, if he didn't get injured last year before spring ball, is he already, was he already pretty much the starting buck coming in? You know what I mean? Right. So playing some catch up. I mean, you got Jack lamb, you got Maris Lewifow, you got Shane Simon, you got a ton of bucks over there. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say embarrassment of riches because these guys are all basically unproven still, even, you know, even with a few games under the belts, they're still mostly unproven, but talent wise, you know, you got a lot over there and a lot that they like, I mean, they, 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 and that they trust, not just like, but they trust to go out there and help them win a football game. So who knows? I mean, but guys, I mean, this is, we were bringing, you know, Greg brought this up in the back, back chat and I didn't quite uh, get a chance to get over there and answer it, but it's like, what if Notre Dame loses these position players in different years? He, I think Greg said something about 2005, but hell, I'm looking like just what if we lost that in like 2018? You know what I mean? Like what what happens? I mean, 2018, our linebackers were dead at the end of the season because they played damn near every snap, let alone our safeties. Uh, so you got all these guys out, you know, because they had to play because of what we that's what we had. This was pretty fucking amazing, even with so- being South Florida, because you still pitched a shutout. I mean, this wasn't just like a, a 42-17 win with all these backups playing in there. And by the way, Nick McLeod went out, you know, early in the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you, this was a 52 nothing, nothing. Big old zero burger. That is that is kind of curious when you bring up 2018 because uh, the trio of Coney, Tranquil, and Bilal basically, like you said, played every single snap. Never the tune, except for the Navy game, right? Except except Drew for White. the Navy game where Drew White got you know who the hell is number forty? Yeah, because I, I, when you look at just the tackle numbers, the the next highest linebacker there's there's sixteen players. Um, before Jordan Jen Markeith um, shows up on the tackles list on that 2018 linebackers list. So speaking of Jordan Jen Markeith, do you think he feels like a horse's ass? No, uh, no, nah, eh, maybe because it would have been his. It could because this is really an audition for Kaiser because well, I, mean, I don't think, think about, that Simon. The and, thing about the thing is about he it. just is he just believed that the the coaching staff would just never give him a break. Like, is that why he left? Because it's like, I mean, he had to, I, this was a free year, right? I was going to yeah. say this is a free year. And then with all this stuff that was going to go on with, with people missing time, like he had to anticipate that, that there was a possibility that even if he wasn't the starter, he was going to play. I mean, shit happens, yo. I mean, yeah. why is, why is uh, Phil Jerkovic in, you know, just not ill right now? I mean, guys don't like bench time. They think I would like to point out what they are. So that I watched the ACC network and every single one of them to a man, I think it was EJ Manuel, Mark Richt, uh, whoever the Clemson um, former offensive lineman is. I can't remember who it is. They all called him Jerkovic. Every single one of them. I mean, nobody cares, right? Journalism dead. Gene Seymour is the only person alive that cared and you cared so deeply. Well, I think Phil's parents care pretty, probably pretty deeply. Hey, look, uh, Claire Kramer is still saying my last name wrong. Uh, I mean, her boss over there can say my name, right? But Claire isn't, but I'm not emailing her and saying, Hey, Claire, 
you say my name wrong. I mean, it's, last names get get pronounced wrong. Mr. and Mrs. Thiesman probably were upset a little bit when Joe decided to rename himself Thiesman, but they got over it. I mean, Raj, Raj did it for him, so yeah. you know, he just went with it. Yeah. It's, it's important just to go with the flow, right? So yeah, what, do you guys, what do you guys think about Foskey Fan as my uh, hashtag for the Isaiah Foskey Fan Club? He's I, I love Isaiah Foskey. It's he so much so fun to watch him. Why is he the, why is look, our defensive line is playing great, but every time Foskey is out on the field, he it's pops. Scud missile. He He's like a scud missile. Wow, man. I mean, wow. I mean, maybe it is. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I scoffed a little bit and, you know, and I'm a, I'm into a whole bunch of weird stuff like, like Jersey numbers, I think affect things. Right. And, yeah. and I, but I, I still kind of scoffed at the fact that someone said he just looks faster and more athletic with number seven. I can't argue against it. Maybe it's the number, but he just looks so much more athletic and faster this year than last year. And now, you know, not, wasn't like he was a, you know, a scrub. I felt the same way about yeah. Equinemius St. Brown when he moved from, what was his freshman year number? Like 85, 86? 86. Yeah, 86. To six, yeah. To six. He's Bennett Jackson. Jackson to the 86 to two switch. <laughs> so I don't know. Hey, we're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back. All right. We were just talking about uh, Isaiah Foskey. Jude, I mean, I don't know what the I, – I haven't checked out how many snaps that, that he he played uh, on Saturday. But don't you kind of get the feeling that that they, being the or uh, third stringer on the depth chart is going to have to change? I mean, even just in name? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when he's in there, he's he's been affecting a lot. Um, he's also been great on special teams. Now, South Florida made their own bet on that one. Um, but I, I thought for sure he had blocked the first one just by the way that the punt had kind of come off weird on the, the punter and it turned out the punter just shanked it, but he put a hand up. So it's, it's possible the punter changed his trajectory based on what Foskey had, how much penetration Foskey had had. But, um, I'm just, I, I look, he's just, um, I think he, he hit our radar with the, the Stanford game last year and, uh, and he hasn't left. I, I think he's just been a. I, I think he would have been a guy that we would have probably buzzed about a lot more because he would have probably had a great spring game too. Yeah. Um, he just seems like that kind of guy that, you know, oh, God, what was it? Was it against Duke where he came off the edge on one play and he just just, just destroyed the play? Um, and Aaronsberger had one too where he yeah. uh, absolutely he blew up the running back. The running back didn't have the ball, but he, I mean, he, he separated that. He separated that guy from his torso. It was, it was, yeah. um, it was fun to watch. I mean, Riley yeah, Bill's got time, and it, it was. Aaronsberger had two tackles for losses in that game, you know, and the sack. There, I mean, he. Had, there, there, those were his two tackles: a sack and a yeah, and a tackle for loss. Yeah, he had a heck of a game for limited. It snaps. was. Uh, it, he definitely popped. I mean, as much as I, I think I'm, I'm curious about the Jack Kaiser thing. I just, I don't think that Houston Griffith's performance means anything for him. I think it's situation normal for him probably next week, right? Yeah, it's not like he's going to. Is he going to supplement? Maybe, maybe he gets. He's a not few playing over Kyle. Hamilton. He's not playing over Crawford, right? 
Well, maybe right. they, maybe Kyle eases into the game and they're more willing to give Kyle a rest during the course of the game. Okay, and they I feel more see. comfortable giving Kyle a breather because they're like, okay, Houston played well enough that we feel comfortable on like a, you know, a pat or a rush, uh, you know, obvious, you know, running down. I mean, and we still don't, and we still don't know what's going to happen this week. Right. If the roster can change at 1250 for a two thirty game, we don't know what's going to happen next week for the noon game. And you, you know, you made a great point. Houston Griffiths, Houston. I mean, Houston Griffiths. I mean, we're talking, we still have to talk, think about, especially playing wake, uh, you know, nickel and dime packages. And so regardless of Griffith sees much time back there, um, you know, rotationally, uh, at safety, just knowing that, you know, you know, we need help nickel and dime wise. We don't know what the roster is going to look like. I mean, I think that kind of a wake up call to fans like, Hey, look, you know, this season's it's weird, man. And it it may get weirder and having eight guys, seven of which, you know, weren't listed as injuries. So we can assume, I suppose, you know, COVID related, this could be the same theme next week. And I would say, you know, of those seven guys, maybe those seven don't play this week either. So, uh, I, you seeing Houston Griffith go out in the football field and perform well actually does mean a lot to me, uh, because you need him to have some confidence, first of all. And second of all, you just, you want to see that growth there. He's a junior, uh, you know, and a, and a guy that we thought we were going to be able to depend on a couple of years ago, moving forward, just seeing him, you know, do well, let's build on that. I, I think, you know, maybe it got overshadowed too, but I think Clarence Lewis had a great game. Um, oh, I thought he three was, pass he was breakups. He's the, best, he's the best corner on the field. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had I'm a trying. interception, maybe bounce off his hands. If I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, he had three, he had three pass breakups. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he had a tackle for loss. Uh, he had five tackles. So he was tied for second on the team. Like tackles. They, they were picking on him like maybe yeah, the late first out. quarter. And it was just like, it was sort yeah. of working, but it wasn't working. You I know? think in a normal game, he would have got called for pass interference. for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, part of being a DB is getting away with that shit. And you guys got away with one of the most blatant ones that I've seen. And that's cool. I mean, good for you. I mean, that's, that's a resume builder. They were, well, that was one of the things with Mickens coming in this season is Mickens promised that the players were going to be more handsy. So uh, one thing about Clarence Lewis too, they, they talked up in the off season and I, I don't know, we probably all sort of scoffed at the notion of it being like, well, okay. Cause they talked about his football IQ and his, just his instincts of being able to um, play the position. And that's, that's exactly what we saw on Saturday where his instincts in knowing when to turn his head around because all, th- well, at least two of the three pass breakups, the ball probably is caught by defenders who don't turn around because he turns around, gets his hand and then bats the ball out of the rest. Like he took, it wasn't just like, you know, you know, the thing where a cornerback gets a pass breakup for being there when it bounces off the receiver's hands, just for like distracting them. And then they mm-hmm. go up and they throw their arms incomplete and make a big show of it. Uh, like Cam Hart did case. after every play. <laughs> like Cam Hart did after every play. That was yeah. not the, who had the most snaps of any player, Cam Hart. Of all of them, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, Clarence Lewis, he was playing the ball 
exceptionally well, which is not something that we can say Notre Dame cornerbacks have done. Like last year with Troy Pride, love him, but it just seemed like every time the ball was in the air and he just needed to turn around and make a play on the ball, and it just never did. He had the speed, but the instinct didn't seem to be Pride had Pride got killed with back shoulder throws. Right. And if we're notice, if we notice that, I guarantee you, offensive coordinators, uh, some random uh, intern is noticing that, and that's in the notes, and that's that gets built in. Like, like throw, like throwing on pride on a slant was never a smart idea, uh, but a back shoulder throw, you know, which is a which is a, a a safe enough pass a lot of times, anyways. That was how you were going to get him. So, so yeah, I mean, I, it, I I'm imp- I mean, I was impressed with uh, I was impressed with the secondary. With with Lewis with uh, with Cam Hart, um, I mean, there's there's a lot to like. And this is all with the caveat that Jordan McLeod and Noah Johnson are probably two of the worst quarterbacks we will see all season. <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, they are they're treading water as being uh, Division One or uh, FBS uh, starting. I'll tell you what, I, and Noah Johnson I, sort of isn't. I'm not 100% in love with with Braden Lindsay wearing the zero, but I am 0% in love with a quarterback wearing zero. I think that just looks so weird. Actually, I do love Lindsay wearing that zero. Yeah, I, I mean, I get why I get that, why he wears spot. it and everything, but it just it's it looks like an eight to be to be honest with you. The great, like the great thing about zero is nobody owns it. Like I, I could, I mean, I'm I'd be fine. He, he's the greatest zero to ever wear for Notre Dame. Sure. Sure. But I mean, like, but I mean, as far as like a positionally, it's not like, you know, like a DB can wear it. A defensive lineman can wear it. A corner can, you know, a running back can wear it. A, uh, you know, wide receiver tight end. I mean, it, to I don't me, it think just an offensive like, lineman can wear it, but yeah, other than that, probably no, but, uh, but I, you know, if you wanted to say that, uh, if Quentin Nelson said, fuck this, I want like, number zero. I don't think a kicker p- should wear it. How about that? No, it's too cool of a number for a kicker. <laughs> I like my kick. I like my kickers wearing like, uh, 99, 40, 47, 47. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't like them wearing the nineties numbers. Don't, don't think you're part of the D line. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and stay away from the cool number. Unless you're a Joey Julius and then it's totally okay. No, you, you gotta, you only if you're Pat McAfee and you rock the number one. <laughs> which is I which mean, is what he did as a punter. I mean, Nineteen was a big one. Uh, it was DJ Fitzpatrick, sure. uh, Justin Yoon. Uh, yeah, Justin Yoon. Nineteen's uh, so, not a, a Nick very popular. Uh, George West. Oh <laughs> 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 so. <laughs> uh, shit, man! We we're definitely diving down a hole there. Yeah. Um, Let's see what what else we want to get into. So let let's. I mean, is there anything that in a fifty-two nothing game that you were like, uh, like anything where you were just kind of like, uh, that could be worrisome. Uh, Jonathan Dewar I mean, I, shouldn't be shanking kicks. Ah, uh, there you go. Inside yeah. the forty or inside I, I forty was yards. Say Johnny Ford shouldn't have had a forty-two yard run. Yeah, and well, there was Kyle very, Hamilton was in the game. There was a very uh, very poor tackling, would. right? If Kyle Hamilton's in there, that doesn't happen. But there was some poor tackling going on with yep. that. That that's the that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. 
that that 42 yard run, not only was that the longest play for South Florida all day, but it constituted a huge chunk of their um, <laughs> of their yardage. So their actual uh, actual yardage. So I don't know. I mean, they were. It, it was just one of those days. Sean Crawford slipped on a banana peel on that game. <laughs> or on no, that, that, uh, yeah, that was not a good like. Game. How about how about Javon McKinley like being a kind of a no show in this game? Like, is that concerning? <sighs> well, I guess I'm. That, he he led the team in targets, um, but he only had one catch, and the one catch that those, he had was for seven yards. Two of those, well, at least one of those wasn't his fault. You say the right. second one wasn't his fault either. Uh, but I I was hoping for a little bit more from Javon. Um, but I won't say that that uh, I'm not any more concerned than I was before. If that makes sense. Like it's not great, but I wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot of expectation for him to like blow up today. I mean, it, we talked about before the game, you know, I cracked a joke about, Oh yeah, two touchdowns. Uh, but I, you know, it, you're putting a back over the side. He should be on. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes again. It, it's, it, it really was hard to, to get much, uh, to really to say much about the passing game at all with the way that the game plan was with field position with, with all that stuff. It just, it just seemed like it was there. Like it was the also, you know, just something we talk about the running game and what Notre Dame did defensively uh, are the storylines that stuck out the most. Tommy Tremble like just blowing dudes up, like yeah. seeing him how, you know, how blocking about the, was insane. How about the two fumbles? Well, that, I, I mean, was actually both, gonna, both recovered, was gonna ask but you guys about that. Yeah, yeah, Kyron Williams fumble. So I mean, what, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Because number one, Kyron Williams, I don't know, maybe it's just because he's lost his helmet so many times, and then that fumble, he had to lose something. Like I love it that he's, and he didn't lose his helmet at all Saturday, did he? Yeah. I don't believe so. So I told you guys, he's not going to lose his helmet again the rest of the season. Uh, but it, it just, it, that did seem concerning. That was very like in your face. Uh, I, I guess the way the running backs, uh, I put the ball on the ground. Uh, what was well, it? Funny, like Robert they, caught, they caught it up twice. Right. But, and yet Notre Dame had what three plays that on, uh, something and one on the, on the one yard line. And none of those were fumbles. Thank God. So, <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it's concerning. I, Kyron Williams is going to try to get every extra millimeter out of every carry he gets, which is awesome. That's why he's still in hearts everywhere uh, because of how, how hard he's running. But that also leaves you open to getting a ball stripped, uh, just losing grip of the ball because uh, the way you position your body, lots of different things there. You know, it's better if you went down rather than get that extra half yard. Uh, but that's not the way he's built. So, you know, that was something we talked about before the season, right, guys? Like, like we're probably expecting a few more fumbles from the running backs this year. There's a, there's just going to be a trade-off, um, you know, involved is all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it I don't know if it means anything, but, you know, and certainly – those are kind of 50 50 and both of them recovered by Notre Dame. So, you know, good, I guess we had good luck, but, um, it just, it just felt like, Oh, like after going four years without seeing a running back fumble the ball, 
it just feels weird to see it happen. Well, they fumbled. You know? They just didn't lose a fumble. Correct. That, yeah, that but was, it was, it was very infrequent lose. and certainly not two in a game. Right. You know? Right. So let, let's get back to where we're at, where I think we, maybe we started too was uh, Brian Kelly's halftime speech. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, st- I want to talk about this more because I just, I don't, I find it extremely funny that anyone that Brian Kelly would have any kind of thought at all where he's the nice guy when his, when the persona and the perception of him is anything, but, uh, but I appreciate that he thinks he's the nice guy. So I like, I, I, I wonder and want to know what that entails. Like, why does he I, think he's I know. the nice guy? Has, has he been going light? on these cupcakes. Yeah, just he absolutely. Them, has. Brian Kelly has sort of the thing that Brian Kelly does. I don't know. I guess from my angle of watching games is it feels like Brian Kelly takes his foot off the gas when he's curb stomping these chump opponents. And that's why a lot of these games you see Notre Dame score in the, you know, thirties, 40, low forties, instead of getting these nice, beautiful crooked numbers of in the fifties. What's kept Notre Dame from leading or being higher up in points per game is that they're not just taking these teams and just throat stomping them and then continuing it on for the, for the, the entire game and running up the score. Brian Kelly doesn't, you know, he, he has a rep, I guess as a fan, he, he just doesn't have that mentality of wanting to run up the score on opponents. And I'm all for it if Brian Kelly wants to run the score up on opponents because I think that that gives your players a killer instinct where no mercy is something that I want to see. Uh, I want Brian Kelly to embrace that Cobra Kai lifestyle. I don't want any mercy. I want him to sweep the leg. I want Brian (laughs) Kelly to get a body bag. All of it. Judy, you got a thought on that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I've one thing I've noticed is that the second team never does anything. Like when they get in there, uh, whether it was Phil Dracovic or Drew Pine or uh, Montgomery Van Gorder or you know whoever's ever come in and, uh, as a, the second team unit, they just it's always like three and out city. So it's really never that interesting, and that's a big reason why the the scoring starts going down is because they 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 substitute so early. Now we we made mention of it. With, in terms of Nick McLeod, that might be something more so, maybe in, maybe even injury related or something. Um, but everybody else, in terms of the starting rotation, came out very early, and so it was a lot of the second teamers on offense and defense uh, showing up or whatever. And that's why I thought that the the, the shutout didn't wouldn't hold, and it did. So that was cool. Hmm. But back to Brian Kelly's point, I thought maybe he was talking about Notre Dame, like. I'm tired of us being considered the nice guys because I think that Notre Dame has this kind of like, and they've worked hard to cultivate this like clean cut, you know, holier than thou, like, you know, no one can. Yeah. And and we're nice. And and Lou Holtz ran out of bounds rather than run up the score in SMU. And like, just this like whole kind of vibe, right. That we don't like. Wasn't running like a 60. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that. We just, we, you know, we're, we're good Catholic boys. We would never, we would never embarrass anyone. Like I, I think that everybody was excited about it because it just like, I think Matt Fortuna mentioned on the Shamrock today, like we're not, we don't, we're not there for the halftime speeches. He may have said something similar like this before. Um, we just, 
we don't get to see it. And so now we saw it and he was saying something that was fun. And it was like, that's how we all felt. Keep your foot on the game. Well, here's, so the like, thi- here's the thing too, right? Like he still needs his team to be locked in. If not just because, I mean, they know that the game's won. He needs it to be locked in for at least safety's sake, right? So everyone's paying attention so they don't get they don't get some stupid injury out there. And you heard the team. You know, you 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 heard their voices, you heard their response when he said that. That gets them excited. So not only does it keep them kind of locked into the game at hand, but for all you people looking forward to Clemson, it, it's something that that it's one of those little things that you can build on throughout the season. Uh, you know, Brian, that's noted in Brian Kelly. What did, what what gets this team going? And that bravado, I mean, you got to remember, we're talking about 18, 19, you know, 20, 21-year-old young men out there. Bravado is a big thing. Like, if your leader showing that bravado, uh, even if it's like, even if it's fake bravado, gets a rise out of these guys. I mean, they just want to go out there and fucking maul something. And so I think it, it was tactical at the very least for Kelly to say something like that, because now his team knows that he's out for blood. Like they're following a guy that they're out there to go, not just like their whole, like, you know, business trip kind of shit. It's more than a business trip. You want to, you know, you want to go Vlad the impaler on teams. You want to fucking put them up on a spike, drain their blood, bathe in that shit, you know, get, get a good uh, exfoliant scrubber uh, while you're in that bathtub. And that's how you want to go about the season. And I think that's that little bit of that edge. That's what teams like Alabama have. I mean, that that's kind of what you need. And it's been a knock on Notre Dame that they haven't had that killer instinct. Like Brennan talked about so this. It was important from a, it's very vague and you know, it's, it's, it's very minute, but moving forward, I think that it's very important that that's what goes on this year. You know, on the Blue and Gold podcast, Mike Goolsby, who obviously played for Notre Dame, said it's hard when your team's up 35 nothing. There's you you have that kind of feeling inside of you that like there's you don't need to give full effort, maximum effort to make sure that your team wins. Like the game has been won, so you end up having to play a lot of like mini games with yourself, games within a game where you're like, I want to do X to impress coach Y about, you know, this thing that I've been working on. And so that's what guys end up doing is they, they end up playing for them themselves a little bit in the, the second half of those games, because they want to show out or they want to put something on tape that they can say, and there's hey, nothing coach, wrong I'm, with that. I'm, I'm, no. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I think when people, when people are like, you know, Kelly doesn't have that killer instinct or whatever, like you have to remember, like, it, that's on the kids who are out there playing the the game. I mean, I, I, I get like Kelly, it was fourth at what five, fourth and five when, um, Jafar scored that, was it a touchdown that he scored or they just got right. the first down? Uh, like that might've just did a first down. Or, okay. Are you talking about the final touchdown? Are you talking about the 52nd point or the 50th yeah, point? That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was fourth it and was, five. It was on, it was fourth it was, and five. It was okay. fourth and five. He went, he went for it. Right. Yeah. Like he didn't kneel down or whatever. Like, it was a fourth and one where Bramblet came out and punted. And, and I think Burmeister says something like, well, you know, this is a kind gesture by Brian Kelly to bring out his punt squad or, you know, something, or maybe there was a comment on Twitter. I, I can't remember. What, but, like, Paul Burmeister. but it was like, you know, that's not what people want to see. Right. They want to see, they want to see the pantsing. They want to see Charlie Weiss 
Jr. Uh, humiliated. They want Jeff Scott to atone for uh, his dad <laughs> uh, being on the Bobby Bowden's FSU squad from 93. Like they just want a full on like, you know, revenge tour, Chase Winovich, print the T-shirt type deal. Um, and I guess they're a little disappointed that Notre Dame only scored 17 points in the second half. But I didn't think they were going to get to 70. I don't think any any reasonable, rational person thought they were going to get to 70. I was hoping they would get to the 60s because 60s are fun. But 52 is fine, too. I mean, I said, you know, you can't get 70 to nothing by missing field goals. So what the fuck are we doing here, fellas? I mean, I thought seventy to nothing was a was a de- achievable goal, uh, but uh, yeah, but we're it, not uh, playing the Haskell Indians anymore. So you know, there's still it's still an FBS team, you know, and there's still only a certain amount of possessions. I don't like, know. They barely looked at it. <laughs> like, like South, Flo- yeah, South Florida definitely tried tried their hardest, you know, with the with the punt that um, turned into the <laughs> touchdown or whatever. That's the only yeah. reason. Call, you can't really call that it was a. The only reason it was a shutout is because Dino Babers wasn't on the South Florida sideline because he would have been Damn taking right. those chip shot field goals all fucking day. There were some <laughs> there were some opportunities for Florida South Florida to kick some cowards field goals and they didn't exactly. they didn't I give take Jeff's it. Got a ton of credit. I give, Jeff, I give Jeff's got Jeff a ton, ton of credit. For- ton of credit. Um, oh, well, they went. Yeah, they they went for it. Um, it was the third quarter turnover on downs, well, was, right? Well, and it was the uh, the the non-pass interference call on Clarence Lewis. I mean, they yeah. could, that was a fourth down. So, I mean, could have kicked it then, but no, I'll give Jeff Scott a ton of credit for, for being a man and, and being like, fuck, you know, we're getting smoked. Three points ain't doing nothing. Let's, you know, at least try to get a touchdown. Uh, yeah, just a field goal is just, uh, oh man, that's just like a, being a cuck to, to me. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think about Tommy Reese? What do you think about Tommy Reese um, learning from what happened in the Duke game and applying that towards South Florida? Because I think there's something to be said about the formations. Not only we talked about, we alluded to earlier, but also the amount of uh, play action that he did in this game versus the last game. I think this is one of Greg's big points. Yeah, but, I mean, he opened up the game play action and kept yeah, it going. Yeah. I think of his, what I, at least two of his first three completions on that opening drive. Um, you know, at least two of the four passes he had in that opening drive were play action. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't want to like the, the way you started the word that Jude, I was going to be a little bit disagreeable as far as like learn, learning, but, but that's right. I mean, he, he's learning to use the personnel that he has in the best way. And you're right, Greg, uh, I can't remember what the stat was, but play, you know, his Ian book in a play action pass does way better than just a straight drop back. Uh, so <clears throat> that's good news for a team that wants to run the football and considering all the backs we have and the offensive line that we have. And the fact that we have like 400 fucking tight ends, one of which is a fullback out there just trying to kill people. Uh, I think Tommy's doing the right thing. I think, I think he's dead. I think perhaps it gets, Maybe it only gets better from here. Um, we're at, maybe, you know, maybe we're just too used to to how Notre Dame played offensively under Brian Kelly's system, under Chip Long's system. That Tommy's taking it back a little bit. This is this feels more like a uh, like a Wisconsin-based offense 
maybe not, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the stuff Stanford did, uh, but this just feels more of a, of a power run offense. Don't want to say it's, it's, it's pre Tua Tonga Valoa. Alabama offense is what this is. Well, this is pre you know 2016 say, Alabama. Well, it feels like it feels like uh, uh, Pete Carroll USC days. Yeah. Well, I think that maybe they had they, they a little um, bit. I mean, the the wide receivers were certainly more dynamic uh, for USC in those in those right. days. The way, they, way they went about their offense wasn't like they were out there just slinging the rock. You know, I mean, they they were very methodical in the way they used it. They, Liner won a, a Heisman. Carson Palmer won a Heisman. They, they they won some Heismans from the quarterback position, but right. But their game plan wasn't to go out there and just fucking go Air Kelly. You know what I'm no, saying? Everything was based off of the run. Uh, but they had but they found so much success through the air. Uh, first of all, because you're playing Pac-12 defenses, uh, and then second of all, uh, you know your your running game was just we were just on point. So you could pick and choose and they got, they had good receivers to throw these big play action passes to. They, it wasn't like, anyways, I'm not, I'm not going to defend uh, Pete Carroll's uh, choice, life choices. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, if I'm, if I'm the defensive coordinator, if I'm the defensive coordinator at Wake Forest, I'm like, I'm pretty upset, right? Because I've now seen a lot of different looks um, in terms of what I saw in the Duke game versus the South Florida game. Would that be fair? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard for him to. I, I, I think there's know, a counter punch. I don't know whether I'm going to see. I'm going to, I don't know whether I'm going to see a mixture of both a return to the first week, a continuation of the second week or a totally, or a totally new thing, you know, a new install of something because we've gotten more practice time than we ever have. And guys are starting to gel and, and all of a sudden he's, he's got more weapons or more availability of things, you know? Well, I mean, depending, depending upon what, what you have available with your roster, I sure. I don't think they're going to go back to a lot of what we saw against Duke. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I mean, do you feel like Tommy Reese understands who Ian book is a lot more than chip long did? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a huge Tommy, plus, right? Tommy's because you're not asking make, him to be beyond who he is. He's not trying to make him something that he's not. Right. Uh, and Chip Long, that was that was the big problem, and that was why there was a lot of uh, there, there was the rub between the two. Uh, where you know, not only is Tommy not trying to do that, but he understands why he's not doing that, or under, Andy understands why it won't work. Uh, because imagine Tommy Reese in an offensive system where they were trying to get him to run a bunch of fucking sprint outs and shit, you know what I mean? Or read options. I, I think he understands like the limitations, like, like just limitations itself that, that a, a quarterback can have. And Ian book is, is, has some limitations. So he's not going to try to press that. Like, why would you try to, why would you try to make him do something that he's not good at? How does that, how does that, how is that successful? How does that help you win a football game? So yeah, he, I think he's got a better understanding for it. But I, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't like push the envelope. I think the envelope needs to get pushed just to here and there a little bit more. Um, just you know, test it out. I mean, because you you still don't know what you have. I mean, for that's, for that's all the year, for all, for all the games that Ian Book's been under center, uh, I think there's a lot of times we're not sure exactly what we have in Book. Uh, so find out. <laughs> 
you know, this was not a game you could do that, which we've already went over a couple of times, you know, about why the passing game went the way it did. Uh, but maybe this is the week against Wake Forest. Maybe this is the time where, and, you know, Ian Book is very familiar with that field. Uh, so I don't know. What uh, what play what player whether it's Jordan Johnson or uh, Kendall Abdul Rahman would would you have expected to see more in a in a blowout that we just really did not see? Uh, Ab- actually, uh, Abdul Rahman, I when Kelly pulled out the traits word with Johnson, yeah, it's yeah. like this is death. That's like the kiss it's, of death. But he got and in. So no, he got in. He absolutely got in. And I, we've all had like our many arguments about this. Johnson did himself no favors getting that flag. Now, if it was ticky tacky or not, that's not the point. You know, not getting flagged is the point. Uh, if you are under a microscope for quote unquote traits, getting flagged for something like that is not a good thing. That's not a path to more playing time. They, the uh, being flagged the, because of traits is not. You good. know what it reminded me of was uh, Khalid Kareem against Nevada. Came in against Nevada and got like immediately got a late hit penalty, and it was like, oh, oh that yeah. was that was nice knowing you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, I I would expect it in a blah. I think I would have expected uh, after Rahman more than Johnson because of the whole kiss of death thing. But we saw Johnson. I would like to see more of him, uh, and maybe we will. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe this year's version of traits ain't as, uh, as final as previous years. And it can't be overstated or it can't be overstated enough that they didn't get spring and he's a freshman wide receiver and Tommy Reese had to work on other breaking in a lot of new receivers. So reps were probably at a premium and it's, I don't know. It um, for for a I mean, staff that values fi- things like blocking. And- everything fired Irish media pushed out had Jordan Johnson on it. Seemed like he was sure getting. The- <laughs> I mean, the narrative was that he was getting snaps. <laughs> what about like Caleb Offord? Did you expect uh, to see him play? Well, I did. I mean, I expected him. I expected him to be where Clarence Lewis is at now. Right. But not like, I guess. No, that's that's the wrong way. I expected him to be the best corner of the bunch. Um, Clarence Lewis has actually exceeded my expectations for what Offord was going to do. Right. Um, just just where he's at. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you would have swapped those names out on me, Lewis and Offord, I would have been surprised. Whereas I am a little surprised about Lewis. So, uh, but that I don't know what that says about Offord. I mean, he's as a true freshman coming in. You know, to say you're disappointed that he's not in the two deep rotation is a little, I guess, a little bit much. Uh, you know, these are good questions, Jude. You got any more? <laughs> I just these were the things I started thinking about, right? Because when you get your, you know, you have a have a couple of uh, drinks or whatever, just enjoying yourself. You're not you're not tense about the game, and so you just start thinking about like, well who was I excited about seeing or who did, who was at a new position or who was talk, who was being talked about by the coaching staff allegedly during the spring before it got the whole thing got shut down that I would have expected to see in a game that was crooked. 
I mean, Roger, when they said Riley, when they they said Riley Mills came in, I was like, oh, Riley Mills, okay. And then I was like, I wonder if we're gonna get to see Aaronsberger. And I think it was one drive later that Aaronsberger joined him. You know, Roger, you got a snap count in front of you, right? That's how you're listening to those. Like well, the Admiola twins, I expected I, to hear a little bit more about them on Saturday, and that was one thing that didn't. And that I thought I heard someone very curious to me. Yeah. Did was Jason? Did did he come out of the game? Did he get hurt? I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like. They were complete non-factors. If you want to talk about players that didn't even factor into the game, which is strange been, because those guys, those guys when they're in are very productive players. And so right. Saturday was a type of game where I would expected more. Well, what did we? What did we really hear from Ade and and Dalen Hayes too, though? Right. True. True. I I, I was thinking about that today about about Foskey's the big name at defensive end, yet he's sitting technically third on the depth chart on both Viper and strong side. Right. And I'm trying to imagine like what Hayes and, and Ade have done. And it's, I don't know if Saturday was a good, I mean, Hayes had what, two tackles. Hayes had a tackle and Ade had a tackle uh, on Saturday. Uh, but I mean, Jeremiah Wosu Cormo only had one tackle. Just one tackle. Yeah, GOK didn't right. really have a factor. But a lot of that probably is just that like and I don't I don't I don't know what the deal is with um you know why they pulled Nick McLeod out of the game, but I have to think that it was just next week they know that they're going to be down um you know a, a, a as cornerback. As right. Yeah. Right. So they're just maybe maybe it was just an instance where they wanted to get guys out of the game as, as quickly as they could. Right. It's not like Nick McLeod is someone who he's not green. He played a lot of football for NC state. So he played a lot of ACC now, football. So yeah, yeah, a lot of ACC football. He's, he's, I mean, as if that's something that matters. Uh, if you, <laughs> I, as we're uh, finding out that maybe it doesn't. Right. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? What do you think about the big 10 getting back into the mix? I hate it. I'm annoyed. The more, I, the more I thought about it, the more I just decided that this is something that I hate. I wanted there to be, I, I wanted it to be like, I wanted that, that notion of them having to watch us, watch us do it. And it made it the path easier for Notre Dame. I was kind of buying into the fact that Notre Dame could split with Clemson and then they could go to the playoff, but that's not happening now. Notre I feel Dame bad for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's yeah. Cincinnati more, than, got, more, more than any other, more than anything that has to do with Notre Dame. Uh, they, that just, it, that just killed, uh, the hopes for Cincinnati or, or even, um, uh, you know, Memphis or, 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 or UCF, um, yeah, it won't be Memphis, but I mean, Cincinnati and UCF were two teams that without the big 10 there, you know, remember my argument great. for put Cincinnati in was like, look, this is the year, right? There's an opening. There's only you know three power five conferences playing. There's four spots. Now's the time for the American to get a spot. That's not the case now. It just, but there's a whole lot of stuff that. First of all, I am happy for the players in the Big Ten. I am very, very much pro player, uh, and and coaches. I mean, even, I mean, fuck Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day, but I mean, in in a, in a sense, I mean. That that's harsh, man. Like a whole season gone. But that, I guess that's the card you deal for being in that conference. But I was happy for the players to to get us to be able to play again because 
just about put yourself in their shoes for a minute. That's got it. And watching the SEC and ACC Big yeah, 12 play, go out and if, play yeah. if, if you consider what the Big 12 do and is playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the same time, there's some shady shit about to happen this season. It, it's it. What they're talking about for like a seven, they're talking about a six and oh slash seven and oh big 10 team getting into the playoffs when say, you know, you have other teams with 11 games on their belts. I don't give a shit. If Ohio state blew out every team 50 to nothing, you still have four more games to play, son. You know, I it just, that is the, the big deal made for, for these years of the 13th data point with Notre Dame in the playoffs. And Oh boy, what a big deal that was. This doesn't even, that, that doesn't even come close to the shadiness going on here. Yeah. It, not even remotely close. It's, I mean, it's, I'm glad that they're playing, but the fact that to consider them as part of the playoff race feels like bullshit to me. And I look, Ohio state's a great team. they, they are definitely capable of winning the national championship. And I, I maybe I have to get that preamble. I'm not like scared of them to get in. I just think it's bullshit that they're getting in. I think that just seems like such a fucking cheap way uh, to get it. Yeah. I, I just, I think the idea that, you know, the, I think the ACC and the SEC and these, these other conferences that have already, that have already started, um, are doing it right in that they're spacing out their weeks because we've already seen numerous examples and yeah. we sort of, we saw a mini cosm here with the, with the eight players announced right before the game uh, with Notre Dame. I mean, obviously it didn't affect their ability to, to feel the team, but there's been so many teams that have been, had their games uh, rescheduled or outright canceled. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Virginia Tech, you know, a Baylor, Baylor. Uh, for example, um, and so the idea that you're going to pull off nine games in nine weeks is, is ludicrous. I just, you know, and so we're going to have these weird comparisons where we're like, okay, a seven and oh Ohio state team who played, I'm not even sure if these guys were any good, you know, six garbage teams. No, that, those guys are 21 days. So say, say, so say they tested positive before a game, <laughs> like a Friday, they're out three freaking games. Yeah. Three, pra- three weeks of practice before yeah. they can get back. And that's the thing. That's is a lot. Like, if you beat up on some depleted squad that was supposed to be good, like, have you proven anything? Right. And so, you know, you, okay. So you're running rough shot over your competition, but the competition wasn't that good. And so then, and now you're, you're sitting there and you're I trying mean, what to, if, the what committee's going to, what if Justin, gonna, Fields, what if Justin Fields goes out, goes down for a COVID thing and he, and Ohio state loses, uh, a game. They go two and one while he's out. Uh, there's been arguments being that are being made fucking probably right now as we speak that, you know, it shouldn't count against them because Justin Fields wasn't playing because of the COVID. Well, yeah, well, I heard we, Tate Martell is, I heard Tate Martell is back on the transfer portal. So maybe uh, one figure out a way to get himself back on campus. Well, I mean, he's, th- he's, he's it, also bypassed the season. He said, it feels like the Bonzi Colson thing all over again, right? Which is like everybody was like, "Oh, well, if you if Bonzi Colson was still in, the Notre Dame would have definitely uh, beaten this team, and and then they should definitely be in the 
you know, NCAA tournament. Like you can play this game forever. The, the, the playoff committee is too young for us to really have a good data point on what do they do if star X on team Y, uh, is unavailable, but maybe available for the playoffs, you know, like, like, do they, do they say like, okay, well that one was just a, like a, like a blip and they would have otherwise won this game if star X was on, you know, playing or whatever, or there's eight stars that are out for a game and then, and they, they lose by a field goal and a triple overtime or whatever, but they won every other game by 25 points. Like, is it going to be a thing? You know? So, you know, I was, uh, I was Brendan. Let me, why don't you answer this for me? I was all set, uh, before the season started when people started talking about, you know, like, asterisks on the season and all that. I had no problem with that because I'm thinking, you know what? This is a season. If you win the championship, you have got to battle through some shit to get it. That asterisk, uh, someone, someone said the phrase, not me, uh, but they said, you know, they wear it like a badge of honor. And I agree with that hundred percent. I think, yeah, you did some serious stuff to get that. That's great. But if I, if Ohio state wins it now, mind you, they will be, Let's just say they they only miss one game, all right. So they they're eight and zero going to the playoffs. So they're ten and zero win the national championship. How does that asterisk look? Does that still a badge of honor, or does that does that have a little more what the fuck uh, material to it? I think the whole I mean, notion the, the whole notion of an asterisk is patently absurd anyway. I mean, look at the look at the life that Ian Book is living right now. He's basically he's basically Jake Gyllenhaal in Bubble Boy. He he lives by himself. He can't go out and do anything. He he knows that he's living on this island, and it's a sacrifice that he's willing to make for his team. And you're going to tell him if Notre Dame somehow manages to go through this season undefeated or with one loss but win the college football playoff that sorry there's an asterisk. No, this is a season that Notre Dame, you should feel pride for winning this one because especially if you're a player, because it shows your level of discipline has to be exceptionally high. And for these mouth breathers in Big Ten country to claim that there could be an asterisk. And I'm sure there's some wine and cheese people up in the Pacific Northwest who might claim the same thing because the Pac-12 is going to not be included in this season and they're going to try and say, yeah, well. We don't know that there. We don't know that yet. They're still working on that. Well, but I, 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 I'm very they curious. They included in the playoffs, though. Yeah, they I, can't be included in the playoff. Uh, because I am curious how they can get that thing up and running. I read some quotes uh, so from a Pac-12 coach saying that they have not been practicing. Unlike the Big Ten, it has been shut down for a number of those programs. And I don't know how you restart that. Right. They were looking at like a Halloween date. Uh, which would be, which from what I read would have been too late to be for like consideration. So Jude, what do you think about the polls right now? So like the AP voters were told, this is funny. So Notre Dame was preseason ranked number 10. And then once the, they dropped out all the PAC 12 and big 10 teams, Notre Dame moved up number seven, Ohio state was number two. Uh, Penn state was like number something in front of Notre Dame. Oregon was ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Notre Dame moves up those three spots. So the AP was told to wait until next week to start including big 10 teams who won't be playing games for another, what three weeks, right? Yeah. 
but the coaches poll included them. They didn't have any such thing. Notre Dame stayed number seven. They have Ohio State ranked number 10, which is, to me, seems pretty funny. Uh, but, I mean, even looking at it right now, it, as much as, as bullshit as polls are, why are they even doing it at all this year? Well, I, I would hate to be a participant in this because I think there's just no, there's no way that this looks good for you. Right. Um, so we've always had, you know, Oh, reporter X from the Los Angeles times is a no Notre Dame hater. Uh, you know, like he's always going to rank Notre Dame lower that guy from the Austin American Statesman. Like he's such a hater, you know what I mean? Like we've always had these kind of like feelings about people, but the first person that's like Ohio state zero and zero is number three in my poll. Like you're just like, I'm sorry. I just refuse to take that seriously. Right? Like you're going to, you're going to see it. Somebody's going to lose a game and they're going to go below a zero and zero Ohio state. And it's just kind of be like, you know what? At least they're playing the games, you know, like we literally don't know if Ohio state is what, what we all think that they're going to be, or if they're just a, a, a weird, like just, it reminds me of like when, Texas beat Notre Dame in the first season of 2016 and or the first week. And everyone's like, Texas is back. And it turned out we were just watching two really bad teams play each other. We had no idea. We had no idea, right. you know? Right. Um, so it, the whole thing is, is extremely silly. If I were a, a voter, I think that what I would do is I, I know that I have the ability to rank some of these teams that are not playing, but I don't think I would do it. I don't think I'd put them in because first of all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you put in Ohio state now, put them in when they've actually won a game. That's what, that's my feeling. Put in Penn state when they yeah, won we, a game. I got a question today on, on uh, Instagram uh, from a huge fan of the podcast. Shout out, shout out to you, Kim. Uh, I'm getting to you. She, she was, uh, and she did say, okay, question for my favorite ND podcasters, by the way. Uh, but Woo. she was trying to understand. She, yeah. Hell yeah. She was trying to understand why the hell the polls looked the way they did with these teams, you know, that haven't played any games yet. And I just told her, you know, look, the voters are just kind of basing this off of who they still think is a better team. Uh, and I gave a, a fairly decent length answer. And then I was just like, look, short answer, 2020. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and, a, and a more vague answer. And Brendan, I think you can attest to this. Like this is college football. This, I don't know how many times I've said on this podcast, this is the dumbest, craziest, stupidest, most beautiful sport on the planet. And shit is wild and strange. And that's what you have. I mean, this, this is what we're all here for. This is Jude. You bring up the NFL earlier. Like you always do. This is why this isn't the NFL. This shit is just weird. Uh, and things just don't make sense. Don't none of the stuff fits into a box. And so as dumb as it is, and it's just what they have. I, I I don't know how else to explain it. I get frustrated. I'm frustrated with it too, a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, I, I have to, you have to realize like how much is that worth right now? Anyways, like really what's worth, what the worth is, is the college football playoff committees, uh, poll. And we'll get to that, you know, down the road, you know, then they'll, they'll be data points for all these teams, then we'll see kind of where we sit with them uh, as far as AP and, and coaches, poll, look, the coaches poll, we were always thrown in the trash anyways. It's the SID poll. Uh, so it's just another, it just highlights how insane this sport is. 
Can I tell you something that might get you really excited? I would. Yeah. In relation to the polls. What yeah, is sure. One thing, what is one thing? What is one thing that you've always hated about the polls in relation to Notre Dame? Oh, that our our beat is the worst beat. Like we have Eric Hansen. Eric Hansen has we have great, number five. Uh, we have great beat writers. They're top notch. These guys are fucking pros. A lot of teams out there, their beat is a bunch of fucking Homer Gomers, and they do the politic and they do the position around of who they're voting where. Uh, Notre Dame, the people that are voting, like they'll classify you for what team you're covering. The writers that vote in the AP poll that cover Notre Dame do not play the same game as like an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson writer. They just, they don't play that same game. So they are fantastic writers. They're terrible homers. And when it comes to the meaningless poll that the AP is, uh, that doesn't work well for you. Hey, I'm telling you right now. Eric Hansen put Notre Dame at number five. That's not something. I mean, he's got him. He's got him above. I mean, he already I had him ahead of LSU, but uh, he's got him ahead of Georgia because a lot of a lot of teams really impressed by all the work Georgia's put in so far this year. <laughs> I can't wait for LSU. Um, to drop like 15, I can't wait for LSU to drop 15 spots after their first game. He's got there Florida no, all the way down at five. There's no anything. way in hell. There's no way in hell LSU is going to be as good as what their ranking is right now. There's no oh, way. They're gonna be, they're gonna they are a reload kind of a program, but they're also a program that I, they, just, they yeah, lost so, much. It, so re- much. it reminds me like when people are like, well, Clemson was the national champion last year. So Clemson's number one until they lose. And it's like, okay, but we are still watching the football games, right? Like right. they're not playing like a number one team. So and Alabama is. So maybe just put them like number two. Right. So why so why is it LSU number one then? Yeah. And so so there are guys out there that are like, LSU hasn't lost yet, so they're the national champions <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like Florida State, Florida State two thousand and fifteen says what up. Yeah. That final, Oh that my final god. Uh, went away though. Uh, two thousand fourteen Florida State, right? Yeah, that was God, what a struggle that was. Like yeah. They was, filed, that the, was that the year that they played Alabama and they got totally housed because their quarterback got hurt like right away? No, no. This was it was the year Notre Dame almost beat them and then they went through the whole ACC basically struggle busing through every single oh, game. Oh yeah, before getting uh, they, trounced by Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, yeah, Oregon just housed them. Jameis Winston fell on his butt and it was really funny. And but do you laugh. remember the? I, I can't remember the the <laughs> ranking, but. But when they played Alabama, they were highly ranked, and that team was garbage. And it, of course, it didn't help that their the quarterback. I think that was the next. I think that was the next year. DeAndre Fra- yeah. was it DeAndre Francis? It was fourteen. Uh, DeAndre Francois. They they broke him in half because yeah. And their line has been that way since. Their line. Speaking has of been broken like, half, the last time, and he's not there anymore. But the last time uh, we played Wake Forest, uh, their their quarterback wanted no more of. Uh, oh, he's there. Oh, he's Sam Hartman. Oh, is he still there? He's not, he's yes, not starting. He's starting quarterback. Is he starting? Yeah, because yeah, oh, Sam, because so, uh, Jamie Newman, Newman left, took over for him. Oh, that's, he, I got confused. I thought Newman, okay. Newman. No, it was Hartman. It. it was supposed to be Newman, and it was Hartman that started when we played him last. Okay. And Notre Dame broke him in half. And then, you know, Jamie Newman somehow became the, the hottest name in college football. 
uh, transferred to Georgia and then decided to just skip everything. And then opted uh, out, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Sam Hartman's, yeah, he's been, All he's right. I confused of- Newman with Hartman. That's my bad, but Oh, great. He's so we get it. We get another chance option right now. We get another chance to make Sam Hartman regret ever playing Notre Dame in Wake Forest. That's cool. Yeah, he took a he took a little bit of abuse. Uh, I've never seen I, I've never seen a guy in a game just look like well Y A Tittle I guess at the end of the uh, <laughs> the Giants game where he's bleeding right. from the head. But um, yeah, I just I never saw a guy look more like I don't want to do this one more time. I don't want to go out and play football because I'm just getting beaten soundly around my body. That yeah, was Sam Hartman, hurting, 2018. Uh, they hurt him. Like that was internal bleeding. You know. You know. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't know if maybe they have to support that. I, we'll end up talking Wake Forest, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a repeat of uh, Book's inaugural uh, performance that he had against he had against Wake because I don't think he's ever looked better than he did in that game. God, that I mean that was the uh, that was the come to Jesus moment, right? Benjamin That's Wimpush where the after, name after a, after a three, you know, three, uh, three win start the season, big win over Michigan. You bench Wimbush, you go with book and then he just goes off. I think he had like what? Four rushing touchdowns that game. Yeah. And they started a little bit sluggish. Don- well, it's Don- funny. Cause they, yeah, they, they did it like a three and out. And I remember making like this really crass joke about Brandon Wimbush never because Brandon Wimbush had scored on all three of his all first, this, yeah, his first possessions. And then it was like, you know, okay, well, never mind. This guy's. That was for, also the game where, uh, where Michael Young. Uh, yeah, got caught. For the worst. Yeah, like he just gave How up. Michael Young doing these days. Where is Mr. Young's in what Cincinnati these days? How's how's he this, doing? This, yeah, we can't go and uh, we can't go very far without uh, mentioning. We can't have this podcast without mentioning Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati, Jason. And I didn't uh, I didn't catch a whole lot of that game, uh, but. And, I think Greg said, or maybe it was you, Brennan, said he had what two catches for ten yards. Ooh. So. And uh, skill position players for the Bearcats are known for their um, talent and prowess. So. Uh, I think Michael Young would have. Uh, he would have been. He would have been like top dog at ND this year, uh, had he stayed. I mean, honestly. So. Hey, I, I, I know it's a, probably wasn't a smart this, decision. I know at this point it's kind of like a more like a bit than an actual thing, but like Kevin Austin as the team's leading wide receiver is still not a bad play two weeks in. No, no, no it is not. not. I thought about that almost immediately after the game was over, Jude. Like <laughs> that, what you, when you explained it the first time around, it, we thought Brayden Lindsay first, was healthy. We thought Brayden, I thought Brayden Lindsay was healthy. Lindsay was healthy. And I just, yeah, man, I think, I mean, it just take one game. (laughs) (laughs) He has a chase Claypool versus wake forest type game or whatever. And he's, he's back in it. So depending upon, I mean, Brayden Lindsay could go the fuck off on wake forest though. Right. That seems like kind of like the, that seems like the game where Lindsay would just be like, like, here we go. Unleash a beast. And maybe we don't talk about this again. But if not, oh man, you, you if somehow Kevin Austin's the lead receiver this year after being out till probably past Florida State. Or I Florida mean, State at earliest, yeah. Yeah. Whew, whew, that's gotta get me sick to the stomach. 
Or maybe I just need more uh, bourbon. I don't I, know. Yeah, I think you need more bourbon because if if he's the the leading if he's the leading receiver uh, on the season, that's it's probably pretty good because it means he's putting up a considerable amount of yards in the back end, especially in the Clemson game. So I just maybe that's it's good. Not the worst thing. I think it's not good. <laughs> Because that because that means that Lindsay was not producing at a rate for like three games, three more games. That's yeah, that's that's no good. All right, so let's let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, we're we're wrapping up our our South Florida coverage. We can move on to let's get back to conference play, fellas. Let's you know what? I'm Notre Dame's one and zero in out of conference games in their history. They've never sounds lost good. not a conference game. Sounds good to me. And it will remain that way forever. Shooty <laughs> guy, did it go out tonight? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. That's okay. That's okay. We we talked a lot tonight. We had a we had a first uh, we had our first argument in, in quite a few podcasts. I just can't really. I I really can't wait for November seventh. Uh, I, I mean third. Jesus Christ! November third. <laughs> everyone go out and vote. <laughs> Go out and vote hey, the eight uh, people. Hey, so do you, does the uh, day off affect Notre Dame more or Clemson this year? Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame got fewer. Notre Dame got fewer <laughs> spring practices. <laughs> Josh, Brennan. they'll never they'll never a, they'll never ask it. But you should definitely that week ask uh, Brian Kelly if he knows what percentage of his team is registered to vote. Because I don't think it's 100. percent In fact, I would imagine the football team's probably one of the lowest for some reason. I I will ask a question that alludes to that. I don't know if I'll be as I'll use as blunt. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's, it's election week. To, it's a it's I'm fair gonna, game. Yeah, but they have to pick it, Jude. You I know, know what I'm they won't they won't pick it. I get it. I well, get that they I, won't. I pick wanted it. to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to be fancy with my wording. Yeah, I get fancy shit. I mean, well, or just I, pretend you're Pete Sampson so you can get three questions. So, <laughs> or or somebody else who just asks the most vague uh, questions about like your spirit. Hell, I don't know. It, it's there's, <laughs> there's some there's some vagueness going on that uh, doesn't need to be there. Uh, Brennan, you got anything to go out tonight? Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit about villains uh, with, in relation to Brian Kelly. Um, my wife put me on notice today that I was almost an absolute villain. Um, Josh, you're pretty well versed in in flag etiquette. Um, the Steelers were up pretty big on the Denver Broncos, and I said, "Oh shit, I forgot to put out the steel. I forgot to flip the Steelers flag." And I oh, went outside yeah. and I put the Steelers flag up, and no sooner did I put the flag up that Benny Snell fumbles in the Broncos go and score a touchdown and tighten the game. And I was in the doghouse with Christie cause that was my fault explicitly. So I was a villain. Uh, and, and it didn't feel good. So your wife is a hardcore believer in that. Oh, the superstition is for real. Oh, yeah. There's, oh yeah there's, my, flag etiquette is real. So I can't tell you the last time I watched a, a, a game of my sisters who are, they're huge Notre Dame fans. And, uh, I, when you could get to when they would go up to games, uh, they would really only spend like I'd come, you know, I'd make sure I'd find them before I went to the press box. 
uh, it was only about for like five minutes. Like they they have like a certain like uh, they have rituals for if they're up there, if they're at home, who sits in what fucking chair. Uh, it it really like <laughs> really like alienated my wife <laughs> because she wasn't part of that group before it got going. Uh, and so despite all the uh, the uh, Bob Davey, Tyrone Williamham, and Charlie Weiss losses, apparently these superstitions still matter. Like I don't know. I think I would have to mix it up because there's a lot of losses there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know how the superstitions work. My family is, uh, they're big believers in, uh, football voodoo. So Brendan, because you did not die a hero, you actually ended up living long enough to see yourself become the villain, huh? That's how it always goes, Jude. You just, you, you gotta go out early. You, you can't hang on to the, you get, you gotta go out like, uh, like, um, new can't hang on like uh, maybe other head coaches that won national titles. Newt Gingrich? Oh, who? Oh, Newt Rogney. Newt Rogney, okay. Yeah. The, only other, the only other question to ask is, is the baby over there? She, yeah, she another yeah she's, she's there. I was a little Odette. She doing all right? Um, she's, uh, she's in a rocker. She just she just hangs out every podcast. She's there. Just uh, just doesn't make any sounds. Just uh, Greatest mascot she's ever. living it up. I, uh, she's a fantastic mascot. But Bo has been a part of this. Uh, but last week, or the last podcast I did with you, uh, Brendan, you know, I had to put him in his <laughs> in his little doggy cage and put him in a different room because uh, he was so spry. But he has been passed out on the couch this whole time. So, how many of your uh, children have busted in during during the taping of this, Josh? Uh, four times from Dylan. Ooh, gotta give that kid some uh, sleepy gummies. I think, I think the last podcast. Uh, you could, I didn't hit mute in time and, or forgot to. And I was talking to him about getting his butt up into bed. <laughs> uh, I'd have to go back and listen to the thing, but, uh, but <laughs> might've had to do a little, get a little a five bit of spanking. Action. He didn't listen to you. He wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, that's thinking I, I don't even, I don't even try. Uh, I'm like, what well, what's that going to do? It's just going to build up any tolerance that mutant has and then he's going to be uncontrollable so I, with the monster i have to play mind games uh it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous oh all right well that wraps it up for us uh hey get over to the site onefootdown.com plenty of stuff all week long as always um uh we got a little bit of everything uh and a little bit of nothing which makes it even more fun uh, and we will be back. I believe we're going to be recording Wednesday night this week uh, for uh, our Wake Forest preview. So you'll be looking for that uh, late Wednesday, early Thursday morning. And uh, I'm interested to get to my picks out, guys. I'm, things things felt hot this week. Things, oh, things, I didn't even check getting, to see how I did it on tally site. I'm probably not too good because I picked the under on the Notre Dame game. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> I, I believe you were called out by a few people for that. Uh, my bad. That's all right. uh, I might have been the only person. I did get some mad props from somebody because I called blowout, blowout, shutout. Uh, but awesome. I think I, I think I thirty-eight nothing was my final like thing I said. So fifty-two is quite a bit more. I'll have to check the tape, but I'm pretty sure I went uh, I went blowout shutout as well, and the shutout was inspired by your shutout calls. Oh, that's right. I talked you into it. 
Yeah, I might. I got got you on the same page. Uh, But the way I talked you into it wasn't the way that Notre Dame played. (laughs) Remember, we we were talking about, you know, getting booked to just light them the fuck up. And uh, I can't remember remember the nonsense I, I said the last time, but it seemed right. It obviously worked out, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they blew them out. They shut them out. Blew them out, shut them out. They did the thing. That's how you write them up. Blow them out, shut them up. So I I look back. I did pick the over, but I did have USF covering because I, I have no faith, apparently. And uh, I, uh, I'm i eating a little crow this week. So fade me. I, I don't think we can be too harsh on anybody this year. I mean, who knows what the hell is going to happen? I, w- I was happy that my uh, – I, I think I took Syracuse in the points for Pitt, so I was, I was happy about that. Uh, I took this ACC Duke thing's weird. Beating uh, BC outright, took Duke in the points, and took the over. Wow, nailed it. <laughs> I took – Oh, I took I Louisville took outright too. Hey, Louisville is outright. trash, right? That's a, that's a trash oh, team. Oh, that's – yeah, oh, Brendan, you've been awfully quiet Oof. over there tonight. Yeah, about, what, what, about I was going to bring it. I was going to bring it up. Um, awfully quiet. Louisville, about the birds. Here's the thing. Louisville is not trash. If you watch that game, um, they're not trash. Trash. Defensively, it wasn't great. That that wide open 75 yard touchdown was maybe oh. the worst blown assignment I've ever seen in my entire life. Like was Brian uh, Van Gorder back on the sidelines? It, it looked very BVG. You know what that game felt like to me when I was watching it is I felt bad for Louisville fans because I've been there. Like <laughs> that was a repeat of the Miami Notre Dame game. Like uh, they're, they're dancing around with that dumb turnover chain. It's a new dirt, tr- dumb, new dumb turnover chain this year. And, um, offensively they were moving the ball. Okay. Um, but they were kicking field goals instead of, uh, you know, scoring touchdowns and then just dumb plays defensively and backbreaking turnovers. It was it was brutal. Are you sold on Miami at all? No, I'm not sold on Miami at all. Jude, I I'm starting to believe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an uh, idiot. I think I I mean, look, they didn't. They don't even need a a playmaker at quarterback. They just needed a fucking competent quarterback. Like Florida State could use a competent quarterback right now. They could use an uh, offensive well, line too, and maybe some offensive linemen. Yeah, but I, they got. It's not like they haven't been recruiting. You know what I mean? They got talent all on that team. I, I don't know. I'm leaning that way. I'm not. I'm not prepared yet to go that route. But uh, I am leaning towards this being a uh, a much much better Miami team than I was giving them credit for to start the season. Do you think the Miami beat writers are talking about how the season only matters based off of the Clemson game that they play? <laughs> I think they're just ecstatic to fucking get a couple of wins. I think you're right. <laughs> the things are pounding there. I mean, how many, uh, how many shots of uh, Ed Reed was ESPN going to, and I love Ed Reed. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think there should be more Ed Reed in everybody's lives. Uh, but just, it's like, all these years, right, <clears throat> as shitty as Miami's been, there's still the constant narrative of what they used to be. Like, maybe this is what other fans feel about, like, Notre Dame. I don't know. But it's just like this – like, so f- – I don't fucking care about, you know, those early 2000 teams. They were fucking great. Or the 80s, 80s teams. 
this team has been pure trash. Who fought, they lost the fucking La Tech and the Independence Bowl like thirteen to nothing. They're trash. Uh, but anytime Miami gets a little bit of uh, a, a chance to beat their chest, I mean, they beat a hole in their chest. So I don't know. That's fun. I mean, it, it's fun to be a villain, you know, as we're finding out. Yeah. We're all just taking this one step at a time. Yeah, I, I am at least uh, taking it one step at a time on this podcast. One game at a time. Uh I am the most even-keeled person talking here. All right. (laughs) Thanks again for for joining us. and, uh, And as always, go Irish.